Hello, and welcome to The Roundtable, a Next Generation Politics podcast. Next Generation Politics is a cross-partisan nonprofit building a movement of young people committed to building bridges across various divides. I'm Ria Mehta, and this week, on the heels of yet another presidential debate in a seemingly endless season, Anika Kosestani and I, both of us debaters, discuss our views on the debates to date the strengths and limitations of the form, and ideas for how the process could be improved to truly illustrate what candidates know and where they stand. Here's hoping to see some of these reflected in 2024. Thank you for joining us. My name is Ria Mehta. I'm a senior at high school in central New Jersey, and I'm really passionate about foreign policy and bipartisanship. Hi, my name is Inika Kodestane, and I'm a sophomore um, from also from central New Jersey. And um, issues I'm passionate about are really more uh, media-based and just political activism among a younger generation. As um, a debater, we've always been told to avoid ad hominem attacks, basically to avoid attacking a person's character uh, versus their actual like arguments. And I find that as a debater, as well watching the, the debate last night, I saw that there were a lot of ad hominem attacks, but then I've come to realize that the election is more than just policy issues. It's also trying to figure out who the character is of the person that you were going to be electing. So I think that was just interesting to see how we try to structure debate as something that is very objective. Like it's just what you're talking about, the topic that you're talking about, not necessarily who is actually speaking, but I find that in this debate, they were very um, overlapped and it was more of a gray area. I, I do agree with that on like some level. Do you want to tell our listeners what ad hominem means? Ad hominem uh, is basically, it's a fallacy and it's when a person attacks another's character and their beliefs rather than their actual arguments and what they were talking about. Right. I also believe in like the fact that the president of America is a position in which your character is tested every day. And I think having like core values is really important for an election. I think obviously as a debater, we try to steer away from that because usually what we're debating is not something that we have a personal stake in. However, in these types of debates, I think it is a gray area, but I also think like it can be important to like show what a person truly believes. I was probably going to vote for Bloomberg for this debate just because I'm a moderate and He's the most, probably the most moderate candidate there other than like Biden. And then after hearing um, what everyone had to say and his responses were not adequate in my opinion, I changed my mind very thoroughly. Like I would consider what Elizabeth Warren said to him at home and attacks, but you know, they were effective. I think there's both sides to that. Right. Yeah. I think there's definitely, especially for the presidency, you're not only voting for someone's stance on different issues, but you're also voting for them as a person and who you're representing for your country, but who is also representing the people of that country. So I think just having that sort of connection between the two was really important last night. Yeah, it's extremely commercialized the way that they happen. It's like there's an audience and it's like, it's more, I mean, to be honest, it's more like for entertainment than it was for anything. There's a reason that everyone was a lot more you know, giving a lot more attention to last night's debate than like the first debate where everyone was like all calm and no one was really attacking each other. And now it's like vicious attacks against people. And, you know, everyone came out guns a blazing. Like, I don't think anyone really held back, I'd say. 
And I think that's like a product of like the closer it gets, the more tension there's going to be and the more tax on like the front runners there's going to be. But I think like, you know, especially like airing it on news channels and having millions of people watch, to me, it's kind of like, it's just an entertainment. It comes to an issue, in my opinion, when really what the candidates are just trying to find sound bites that will go viral, right? Like Elizabeth Warren did that when she said, I'm not talking about Donald Trump, I'm talking about Michael Bloomberg. Like that was her moment and that went viral and it helped probably help. I thought, you know, she did really well. And that's a product of like seeing her clip 10,000 times on Instagram. Candidates are so focused on getting sound bites all the time that sometimes like really important like facts get lost. Right. Yeah. I definitely think that these debates are more of entertainment. I was listening to another podcast actually recently and basically as these presidential debates, like as we have them each year, we're seeing that um, they're becoming more structured. So candidates are becoming more prepared because they don't want to say anything too risque that can possibly, you know, knock them down a few pegs. So some, I don't remember which news organization it was, but they had invited Andrew Yang to um, basically discuss his opinion on the debate and everything. And so he was saying that um, they have like entire staffs of people that just go and their entire job is to prepare them, you know, make sure that they know certain responses to certain questions and that um, they have everything down so that they know exactly what to say, when to say it and how to say it. And I find that when you have certain flashy moments, that's when these candidates are basically breaking script. Because even with like Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg, like clearly they had some sort of rift between them in the last um, few minutes of the debate. And that was something that caught a lot of people's eye because they were like speaking off the cuff. They were like, you. that's when you see the person that the candidate actually is. You don't see a script that they're not necessarily hiding behind, but they're portraying themselves as. You're seeing like their passion, their heart, their fire, which is what a lot of people watch the, the debates for in the first place. Yeah, I agree. And I think like, I I don't know, I'm not sure who I'm voting for yet, but you know, I think people to judge is like easily the most skilled debater on the stage, in my opinion. And um, sometimes the stuff, the, the points he makes aren't always substantial, but the way that he delivers them are, is, is very like just eloquent and articulate. And um, even though, like, as someone who, like, has studied the facts and, like, I know when, like, you know, someone is, or at least generally can tell when someone is is simply, like, saying things for show rather than, like, supporting it with, you know, evidence or truth, it's still, like, um, it's, I don't know if it is the debater in me or not, but I just, like, I want to give him my vote because he's such a good debater. And I don't know what it is. Like, I think, like, that, like, I see that as a quality, like just the ability to debate and that skill is like, I just see that as a quality that like I want in a president. Like I see that as something that like, I think will help in getting what you want, you know, like for the United States. And like, I don't know if that's the right way to think about it, but like, I'm pretty guilty of this. So. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, like when it comes to public speaking and everything, like you definitely think that a person has more credibility than another if they're just more eloquent. And yeah, even I'm guilty of the same thing because um, when you have like experienced people such as Bloomberg and Biden, like as you said before, they may not be able to state their cases as eloquently as some of the other candidates, but they have experience, especially Biden because he was, you know, former vice president. But 
when you see them up on stage and they're talking and they're, you know, they're stuttering, they're not really able to get their words out correctly, then you're starting to lose interest and you're also starting to lose your trust and faith in them and what they're saying, which I think really the debate is just, it's show business. I mean, if you can, if you can play a character, if you can show that you're confident, you know what you're talking about, not even if you really do know what you're talking about, but if you can say it like you do know what you're talking about, that's a surefire way to get someone's vote. Because if you act like you have it all down to pat, then, well, everybody else will think that too. Yeah, I agree. And I think like, um, you know, is the format that's currently in place the best format? I don't think so, because I think a, a minute or a minute 15 response is the type of st like structure that lends itself to the soundbite culture. And like, I think it's hard because I know that like there's a lot of topics and it's hard to cover them all. And I don't think there's a perfect way to do it. But I also think, well, for one, I think that candidates should debate one-on-one, -on -one, like in certain formats, because I think like Pete Buttigieg versus like Bernie Sanders. Like, I think that's like a drawn out debate that could last for a long time because they have an ideological difference. Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren being on the same stage isn't really helpful in my opinion because they're in the same lane and like chances are voters are gonna be if, if, if progressive, if a voter's progressive, they're going to be voting for like Bernie or Elizabeth. But like on that debate stage, I don't think once there was contention between the two. And it's because their policies are, are the same, basically. Like, I mean, Elizabeth Warren is trying to get a little bit in the moderate lane right now, but I don't really see like that much of a difference. And I think, um, like, I think, you know, and I, I understand that it's it's hard to, to come up with a perfect way so that everyone can be heard and, and, you know, everyone can get their time. And I also think it's hard as like, I mean, I don't know, I think like as a moderator itself, like they did a good job putting um the, I forget his name, but um, he was like involved in state politics and he knew a lot about like, Nevada politics. I forget his name at the moment in time, but, um, and he only asked one question or like two questions, even though he's the one who probably knows the most about Nevada politics and also knows what Nevada voters care about. But, you know, Chuck Todd got the most questions because he's like the face that everyone wants to see. And so I think like it's like little things like that that can make more of like an impact. And I also think like, um, you know, like I, I think there's been six, six debates now. I don't I don't even know. The number could be higher. But um, and there hasn't been like one question on um, like education policy like student loans here and there, but nothing about education policy. I don't think abortion has been raised since like three day, three debates ago. Like it's always based on like what's hot at the moment. Immigration was like ba literally barely talked about in a state with like a huge Latino population. And I think like having um, like the focus of debates be based on like the issues that we suspect people will care about is like flawed in itself because you know, every single voter is going to have something else they care about. I care about education policy a lot. I think our education system is really broken. Not even like just student loan wise, like just the curriculums we have and everything. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I'm probably not, that's probably never going to be a question because it's not hot the topic enough. But I think, you know, at that point, like, I think one-on-one -on -one debates make a lot more sense because if you think about it, like, like if you had Pete Buttigieg and Bernie Sanders debate one-on-one, -on -one, a lot of the issues that were talked about in the last, like, couple of debates with all candidates on the stage would not have been brought up, right? Because there's an ideological difference in the same way that um, like, like I think half the debate was spent on just trashing Michael, uh, Mike, Bo uh, Mayor Bloomberg, which is like time that, you know, I think could have been better spent on like policy 
And so, yeah, like it helped me understand who he was as a candidate, but not something that I needed like 30 minutes of. I definitely think uh, one-on-one debates would be incredibly valuable, especially as you stated with uh, Sanders and Buttigieg. Like I remember Buttigieg was trying to get his point across that if you can't identify yourself with the progressives or like the more conservative um, Democrats, you can find yourself with him. And I feel like he was really trying to get that in there um, as an argument um, against Sanders, but you couldn't really see it happening because there was just so much going on. And I think that poses another um, problem with our current like uh, debate system is that it's just too disorganized. Like you have too many people trying to talk at one time um, and there's just too many things that need to be said and you just can't get anything done. You can't hear anything. You can't understand anything because we just move on so fast from one issue to the next. I mean, I guess that's one of the better parts of debate is that it's so fluid and dynamic. But if you have something like um, the debates that we're trying to listen to right now, it's better if you can just talk about one topic, really discuss it, see what every candidate's stance on it is, and then try to move on uh, rather than having it more like a Honestly, it's like a Socratic seminar. I do it like in my history <laughs> classes where everybody's just trying to get their participation points in. Um, I really think that one-on-one debate is a way to really experience the candidates themselves, see what, how they feel about issues and how they can uh, show that, how they're different from other candidates. And I think really help voters find themselves within this huge spectrum of democratic candidates that we have um, this year. So I definitely agree with you that one-on-one debate is just a much better way to really organize views. Yeah, and the thing is, is that like, I agree, well, okay, first of all, the Socratic seminar analogy was very good, (laughs) but on point. But um, I, you know, like when they're, like when when certain of the, some of the candidates were just like talking over the time, overlapping, like shouting over other candidates, at that point, like I literally was like, I don't, what is going on? Like, I don't know. And it's because A, the moderators don't have control, B, they ask questions like uh, two, one debate ago, two debates ago, two debates ago when, um, like, when the moderator asked Bernie Sanders if he said that Warren, if he said that a woman could never be president, like the allegations that Warren had made against Sanders, like I just feel like that's a question that's just feeding into such a like a that that's feeding into such a like a news cycle that doesn't need to be had. It's a debate that just doesn't need to be had. That's not a policy question. That's like something that you know like that's a separate issue that's not something that should be you know i think on the debate stage and you know i think like i agree with you when there should be debates about one issue because i think like healthcare, for example something that is really important to a lot of people but there's so much involved with healthcare from like the racism of the medical system to like just you know policy differences to like premiums to copays to like to all of like the very intricate aspects of it, it's so important that if it had it's a debate to itself, I think we would able to un, uh, like truly understand because you know like it's very easy for candidates to get away with generalizing another candidate's position. Like you can like they they're like okay Sanders you know he has no plan to pay for it. That's not true. You know I mean he he, he has a plan. He doesn't know how much it's going to cost, but he's a plan to pay for it. You know it's statements like that that are like so generalized that even though Sanders is like candidates don't have enough time to respond to that that it just becomes like uh, a soundbite that's in your head and you're like you're gonna ha- you're gonna have that in your head when you're voting you know even though it probably is false information there's like all the studies that show that there's so much false information that that gets spread during democratic debates and st- statistics that get cherry-picked 
Um, but because it's a debate and it's so like fast and urgent and rapid, it, there's no time to evaluate that. And that's why I think like one, literally just one debate on healthcare, like one full debate on healthcare would very clearly show you who knows your stuff and who doesn't. And like seeing the way that it's handled now, like there was, there was like literally like 30, there was like a solid like 15 minutes spent on whether Sanders should release his medical records. And that's something that may be important, but it's not something that I'm, like, no one's going to vote on that, like, if I'm being honest. No one's going to be making their voting decision based off that. I think, like, the, you know, like, town halls, those are, like, another way that, like, you know, debate happens, like, in a way. But at the same time, like, I think town halls are a little odd because, like, candidates are just there to, like, explain what their policies are and they just twist every question to be like here's what I am proposing you know or here's what I care about and I don't think that they tackle the questions in an effective way um but I think like a good example of that is like I um when Tulsi Gabbard was still on the debate stage she was talking about how she doesn't believe in regime change war and you know she didn't believe in the, the war like in Syria and she doesn't believe in like the any of the like you know wars that America has taken up in the Middle East and, you know, Pete Buttigieg, you know, being a veteran himself, he, you know, strongly disagreed with that. And he basically said, because Gabbard isn't a Democrat, right? That was his argument in, the, in, in a sense. And she made a good, I think she made a really valid point that like often gets like misconstrued just because of like her character and like the way that um, the Democratic Party treats her. But she said, you know, he, he, like Pete Buttigieg, a lot like many other candidates, um, he's making character attacks because he can't debate the substance of what I'm saying. And I think that, um, okay, well, while I don't support Tulsi Gabbard personally, but I think that that's a very valid point that a lot of the candidates are, are end up like attacking who a person is based on their character rather than like the argument of the policy itself. And like, I think another example of that is last night when Amy Klobuchar was debating with Pete. Um, Pete made a really good point. He said that, you know, you shouldn't trivialize information like that because she's on the committee for, um, uh, she's on the committee for that like trade agreement or for like the foreign relations um, committee. And um, she said, well, we can't all be perfect like you, you know, but she, and like, that was it. Like that was the end of that conversation. You know, they had to move on. And I think that like voters, like that could have been a really good opportunity to show that he wasn't saying that everyone has to be perfect. He was saying that you lean on your experience as like a prime, you know, position for you winning this election, right? Yet, you know, where that experience didn't really come in handy because she not only couldn't name the president, but she couldn't talk about foreign policy, you know? Yeah, like, I definitely agree with you. The speed of these debates really, it allows for um, underdeveloped arguments and also underdeveloped uh, refutations. Like, I remember on healthcare, um, Elizabeth Warren stated that Amy Klobuchar's healthcare policy was like the size of a post-it or something, or as a couple paragraphs. And, and that was basically it. Like you get 45 seconds to respond to that. And half the time, like you're fighting for time with other candidates that were attacked or um, have to defend themselves. And you really don't get to understand like the basis of that claim and the basis of the arguments against that claim. So you're just getting like a sort of, um, um, you're getting an underdeveloped stance and you're not able to have any statistics or anything behind it. And when you do get statistics, it's the same ones. Um, like when they were talking about healthcare, once again, how um, 
there's like 47 million Americans that are underinsured or don't have insurance at all. And that was a number that kept getting thrown around throughout the debate, but you don't get to understand like the cause of that number, why that number exists, how you plan to reduce that number. You just hear the problem, but you don't really hear a solution. So you keep getting um, stances and these claims and these arguments that nobody really gets to strengthen throughout the debate. They just keep getting brought up again and again in an endless cycle, but nobody can actually develop them because we just keep cycling back to the same stuff over and over again. Yeah, I, you know, I think that's a very really valid point. And to take the conversation a little bit of a different direction before we, you know, wrap up completely. But um, I think like these debates are a prime example of why I think debate environment can be really toxic to political development. So I did debate in Mali Wen for all of my years in high school. I think the debate environment is really good for critical thinking and intellectual simulation but i don't think it's good as a provocation or display of how politics should work because you know we talk about like civil discourse and i think a lot of people point to um debate or molly one as like an outlet for political discourse or, like look at how many young people are involved like that's so great but i think you know, this podcast has, is for one, has taught me, and then, you know, a lot of, like, the involvements I've done now with bipartisanship and the bipartisan club I have at school has taught me that, like, I think politics should be more about, or at least political discussion, it, it, it shouldn't be win or lose, right, like, it should be, here's what I understand, here's what I think, and here's why, and it should just be about understanding, like, having the, like, capacity to just understand the other side, that's what debating should be about. And I think we all, you know, we've been using this word more, but deliberation, I think is a better word, but we don't want to be so lenient and reliant on, I mean, uh, yeah, lenient reliant on, um, um, we don't, we, we don't want to be so reliant on a debate style system for political discussion. We don't want to look at that as our model because that is a win or lose situation. And politics simply can't be a win or lose situation because it's subjective. And, you know, that's why, like, I always say, like, I think abortion is a really important issue. And, um, but I also think abortion is um, something that I don't, I don't think that abortion should be debated. Like, I don't think it should be a topic of debate. I think you can discuss about it. Like, I think that's fine. But I think as a debate topic, it doesn't make sense because I think a lot of, like, the pro-life, pro-choice stances are born out of your own religious or own, like, personal life experiences in, like, as a, you know, as a woman, as a man. And so, I think when I see people debate about stuff like that, like there's many YouTube videos where, you know, they bring like pro-life and pro-choice people together to debate about it. It, like, it doesn't, I don't think there's a level of understanding there. Right, yeah. I feel like debates, they just aren't helpful to the American people anymore. Um, it's not like you have people at home that are like spreading, that are taking notes and yeah. trying to like really, you know, uh, like develop their own stances on what's going on. It's more like, you know, monkey see, monkey do. It's um, it's just trying to, uh, you know, you hear something, it goes in one ear, out the other, and it just changes how you think. So debate, it's just, it's too fluid to really allow anybody to get their stance across, to actually have, like, for any candidate to actually have a platform where they can inform people what they're, what they're standing for. And I find that it's becoming really, um, it's becoming hard to definitely moderate and control, but also to just allow for people to get like information that's true and that's valuable to them when they're actually going out there to the polls. 
clearly there's structural flaws in the way that the debate structure is for you know the primaries and for the general election i'm sure as well but um i think the kind of like the way that uh candidates are able to like push their agendas and to also just explain to voters like why they're passionate and what they're passionate about is something that like is irreplaceable um hopefully you know like policymakers will work towards a better um format for such um but you know, there's pros and cons to every part of like the political system. And yeah, this is just one of them. As our democracy, you know, it's continuing to change. Um, we're getting our, unfortunately our politics has become more polarized in the past few years, but I feel like debate is just an, another way of spreading misinformation at this point. And it's, I feel like um, because it's so unfiltered, it's just, it's gonna make things more divided. So. Uh, I think looking at this past uh, Democratic debate, I think definitely there need to be some changes, but um, it, all of it, it's just trying to get a more um, efficient way of just informing the American people, like who they're voting for and who they want to have as president. That's all for today, friends. I'm editor Sarita Adabala signing off for all of us at Next Generation Politics. Please check out our website at www.nextgenpolitics.org to find out more about our work. And please recommend us to your civic-minded friends or to your friends you'd like to become more civic-minded. Thanks for listening.